It's another edition of the Clear with Contact podcast live from the Tyler Hughes Motorsports Studios. Here's your host, Tyler Hughes and Cody Jordan. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Clear with Contact, episode 16. It is June 13th, 2023. We are back in the Tyler Hughes Motorsports Studios. We got an awesome episode for you guys this week. We did an interview with HC Sellers on Saturday at Dominion uh, Raceway, uh, right before the races had started for the Souls for Souls 150. We had a blast down there. Cody got the spot, Bobby McCarty, to a win. Win for two days, yeah. For two days. And then uh, I got to Crew Chief Mason Bailey like usual, back at the racetrack. It was a good race this weekend. Uh, a little bit of controversy, unfortunately, on your end. Yeah. But Bobby McCarty gets the unofficial win, and then we get into tech, and we get a protest from Doug Barnes Jr. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, you don't want to talk about I, it. Well, so I'll start out with the race. I feel like we had the best car there all day. I feel like we were good in practice on old tires. I got um, there Friday, and Bobby was the first car that I watched go out. And I was like, man, that thing is hooked up. And everybody, there was a couple other cars that went out. And I was walking by Marcus, and I just looked at him. I was like, man, don't touch that six car. It it looks really sporty. You could just tell it rolled the middle really good. And back on the gas, it cut and turned right up off the bottom for him. It looked like it stayed there all weekend long. Yeah, I feel like we were... Like you said, super good, and then we qualified a tenth faster than the second place car. Our our slowest lap was a half a tenth faster than than Barnes. Um, and same way in the race, we ended up so we ended up getting the pole, and then inverted sixth, started sixth, just you know hit the restarts right off the right off the bat. Ended up third there for a little while, ran behind you guys for you know you guys fell to second. Um, Sellers was in the lead, I think, right? Yep. And then uh, ended up getting by you guys, and, and we raced sellers a little bit to that first stage. And then after that, I kind of, you know, you're kind of in save mode a little bit. I was asking, like, what are we going to do now? And they were like, let's just go get the lead because we don't, you know, Peyton's so good. You don't really want him controlling the race. You guys know that. Um, so that's kind of where we were at. Let's just go take the lead and let us let us control the race. So that's what we did. We had a hell of a restart and ended up getting by Peyton and got out to uh, – about a second lead, and I, I, we kept Bobby right there, just kind of just trailing, you know, just keep a second lead between you guys, five car lengths, and let's just keep rolling like that for till the end of the second stage, and then right there in the third stage. And then, you know, the way the race played out, I feel like Pey- Peyton wasn't as good as uh, he has been this year. I, I knew Doug was probably going to be the guy to beat, and that's how it ended up being with, you know, three or four restarts in that last segment, and just had to hit the restarts right and we did um was able to spot bobby to the win i thought that was awesome the second race with bobby mccarty got him got him a win at a track that i started spotting at so yeah it was awesome um and then we get down in the tech and yeah our uh, drive plates were wrong i think so the drive plates they have to be a one piece um in nascar rule book um cars tour you're allowed to run two-piece drive plates correct and i think most rears now come with two-piece drive plates so it's 
Yeah. So, so I mean, it's it's kind of one of those rules that's tucked up under the under the hood, you know. And and I and we were just wrong, but it wasn't. There's some things you can do with that two piece, but we weren't doing that. We just uh, it was an oversight, you know, on our part because we're running the car store full time. Um, also, before we get into the interview, HC kind of touched on some of that. You know, when he was talking about the Cars Tour, how he would basically just focus on the Cars Tour. Um, I don't want to get too deep into it because I don't want to ruin the, the interview that we already did. But, you know, that is one of the downfalls from switching back from Cars Tour to weekly racing is having to try to keep up with the rule book. And unfortunately, those those drive plates are something small that you just don't think about coming right. from the Cars Tour to the weekly stuff. So it is an oversight. You know, it. I get it. It happens. Yeah. And uh, do I think that those drive plates won you guys the race? Absolutely not. I think you guys had the best race car there. Just one of them deals. Yeah, and this is our podcast, so I can say what the hell I want. But, you know, going into tech, I feel like the 88 had every – from the beginning of the race, they knew they were going to tech – they knew they were going to protest something. Yeah. And as a driver, as a spotter, as a crew chief, I feel like if you're going into a race like that, that's just, um, you're not focused on the right things. No, and, you know, that's kind of been Doug's MO and Chase Pistone's MO the entire time they've raced. I mean, all the way going back to 2017 when I raced them for the championship, you know, I remember Ryan Burroughs coming to me to start the 2017 season and going, y'all are going to have a long year if you're racing that car for points. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, I'm telling you, they're going to protest you every chance they get. They protested us like 10 times last year out of the 12 races that we ran. Like, they just, they protest just anything that they can. Yeah. And sure enough, come the end of the year, Actually, I'll back up. To start the year, they protested our brake ducts, which at first they threw us out because the brake ducts were pointed at the tire. But then we had to go back and prove that the brake ducts were taped up for the race and weren't doing anything. And they they reverted, you know, uh, us getting DQ'd. And then uh, the second time they protested us, it was literally with two races to go. And it was for a drive shaft. I had a two and a half inch drive shaft in the car and I swore it was a two and three quarter and I was just wrong. It was an oversight. I was having somebody yeah. local make the drive shafts and we screwed up and they got us. And, you know, it's part of the reason I lost the championship that year. Um, I think had I not gotten DQ'd that night, I probably wouldn't have been running Jeff Oakley as hard for the lead and probably would have never gotten wrecked. But I'm kind of getting off topic, but either way, no. Go, I mean, it's it's it's, 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 it's their it's like you said, it's their mo. Doug's been good this year, you know, and I'm not saying that. I'm not saying they're cheating. We've talked about it before. If you if you're doing good in this sport, you're pushing some kind of limit somewhere, right? And for us, for for us to fail on that, that kind of is like one of those things that it's like really that's what we're gonna, that's what we're getting gonna get dq'd for yeah and i get it. it it is it is black and white in the book i understand it yeah but when you come out of the car as a second place guy and saying oh here's a list of things i mean okay so let's let's get away from the drive plates not only did they check our drive plates and i'm guessing that was nascar i don't know if they got hinted that maybe they should check that whatever i'm not getting to know that but then they protested our shocks yeah 
So now you have a list of things that you want them to go through to make sure they tore our shocks down, our shocks passed. So yeah. thanks for your money. Um, you know, it, it's just stuff like that. Like, I don't, why are you going to get into a race car, into a race and think, I'm okay, finish the second? Because here's a list of things we're going to tech them on, anyways. Right. I don't know. I mean, that's not how I would go about racing. I mean, I don't, I don't really like playing the protest game because at the end of the day, I'm sure we can take every single car in the field and go through every single car and find something wrong on somebody's car that it that is the a decuable offense. Yep. And whether it's a performance enhancing advantage or not, I'm sure we can, but I just don't like to throw stones. And yeah. um have I protested before? Absolutely. I've done protest out of spite. Uh like, you know, the year that Doug won the championship. Um, I think the last night we protested the motor. Um, you know, we've we protested stuff back and forth before with him. Um, just because we just know how they are and we were like, hey, if, if they want to play this game, we'll play it too. So again, going back to it, I don't think it was a performance enhancing advantage at all. So um it sucks because, you know, honestly, if Tech saw it and it wasn't a protest, to me, if I was a Tech official, that would be one of those things that I'd slap your hand on and say, hey, man, right? look, this isn't performance enhancing. Just don't bring it back. Don't bring it back. Right. But since it's a protest, it's like you can't really do that. Like, well, I don't know if they protested that. I think that was Tech. The drive plates? I thought that was the. Pro- I thought you told me that was the protest. I'm pretty sure that was tech because they t- they check Barnes's too. Hmm. Well, generally when you protest, they generally well, I'm check just, yours I, I'm too. I'm pretty sure that was just tech. I got you. But well, that's the protest was the shocks. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. I didn't know that. I thought the protest was. Well, over that's the why drive we were plates. saying the whole time just what you said. Like, okay, tell us don't bring it back because we. Yeah. It's an oversight. Um, Connor Jones was in the top five. He failed his. They kicked him out too. Mm. Because literally, if you go through every single one of those cars in that field, I guarantee 10 of them had it. Mm. So is it an advantage? Connor Jones finished fifth. Is it an advantage? I'm not going to start throwing names out who had them that didn't fail tech. But I know there's there's at least four more in the field that had it. So, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like we've talked about tech before and keeping up with the rule book and what's fair is fair and what's wrong is wrong. And I mean, I don't want to bitch too much because I don't want to sound, you know, I don't want to sound hypocritical that I want people or I want our tech guys to do their job and then bitch when someone gets caught. So, yeah, um, you know, at the end of the day, if it's black and white, the tech officials are there to do their job. So, yeah. That's, so that's where I'll leave that one. In my mind, um, as far as Cody goes, I didn't bring the trophy home anyways. I wasn't going to bring the money home anyways. I just know that we didn't have a performance enhancing part that won us that race. Right. I went out. I did my best. I spotted Bobby McCarty to a win at Dominion. Yeah. I'm good with it. Yeah. I, I thought you did an awesome job. Um, I was a little nervous. So, on the last restart, uh, Bobby got clear Doug off of two, and 
I just watched Doug tuck right up behind Bobby, and I'm like, oh, man, he's about to pull the move that I just did on Doug back in 2020. And unfortunately, the caution came out right as I did it to Doug, getting down in a three. I slid him off the nose of my car and went on by him. Uh, the caution came out, so they reverted back, and Doug got the win because um, we didn't complete that lap. So... I was a little nervous that that was coming, just knowing that Doug has had it done to him and watching that move come. I'm like, oh, no, here it comes. So I, walk, I, walk us through that last that last moment because – Yeah. I, so, Bobby, uh, Sunday, you know, uh, told me he's going to start calling me the Iceman because of how cool, calm, collected I was on the restart. And I go back – so I, I did record, right? So I record all my all, – usually all my races – which is something we should probably start incorporating into these shows. Absolutely. Um, but anyways, on that restart, I, I didn't realize how calm I... So I remember one time with you when we were racing uh, Oakley on the outside. Yeah. And I was amped. I yeah. know I was amped on the radio. And I think I learned from that because literally every other time I've been super calm. And it sounds like the first restart of the race. Yeah, like the last one when I listened back to it, I'm like, man, I I really did not get animated at all. But I kind of we cleared him going down the back stretch, and it happened twice before or once before where like he dropped in behind us, and I figured there was a nose coming, and I kind of just told Bobby to you know he's coming to your bumper, just be ready. So that that just gives you know you the driver time to think about it and be ready for. If he's gonna get up under me, if he's gonna do this, if he's gonna do that, I can counter it that way. That's my job to tell you that this is the potential of what's coming. And I feel like I did did that pretty well. We were able to hold the bottom, and and the caution did come out. But I feel like we had the better car. We weren't gonna lose that race anyways. Yeah, yeah. Y'all definitely probably had one of the best cars. Um, I'm not sure what we would have been able to do with you. Uh, we ran pretty decent all night. We ran inside the top five. We got into Chase Burrow a little bit at the beginning of the race, turned him around, just kind of a racing deal, I thought. You know, the two guys just going hard for a position. And then we get to racing Peyton. Peyton was able to drive around us, got back racing with you guys, and we finally got back around Doug and secured second. And we were running there for a little bit, and Mason's restarts were just off, and I couldn't understand why. And... Then he was coming over the radio yelling at me, telling me that Doug Barnes was, you know, spewing something because he was slipping the rear tires and stuff. And then all of a sudden he tells me going into the third segment, he can feel the clutch slipping. And he later figured out that that's pretty much what it was. It wasn't, I don't think it was Doug leaking anything. I think he was just hearing the RPMs kick up off the corner. And So Doug was leaking something because I noticed was he that actually? halfway through okay. the race. He was okay. smoking. Yeah. So... Maybe he was, and that yeah. that that probably wasn't but helping. But it wasn't us. helping, correct? So um, we ended up having a clutch fail in the third segment of that race, so we never got to finish and see what we actually had. We have been struggling with qualifying here the last few weeks, and we still struggled, but we were a lot better than what we had been. I was able to change some stuff around for qualifying and helped it. I think it was a good direction for us for the coming weeks, but we've really had a car that will last in the long run. Our car looked pretty good all weekend, 
in race trim. It looked like it wrapped the bottom decent. It looked like it turned decent up off the bottom in the race. We were struggling a little bit for turn. Uh, I was trying to give him some adjustments kind of throughout the race to help with that, but nothing really seemed to kind of wake it up. Um, but we never really got to see where we would end up. So uh, kind of sucks we didn't get to finish that one out and try to give you all a run for your money. But at the end of the day, the official results show that Mason Bailey came out on top. Yeah. I I get the win the winner of the podcast this week. Yeah. <laughs> I had it for two Sorry. days. <laughs> damn it, man. I, I was pumped that night, man. <laughs> I know you were. You were pretty you were pretty damn excited. A, so so what I learned last year so so last year I feel like we had a really good program with Jonathan Schaefer and we only won one race and that kind of put a bitter taste in my mouth because there was a lot of races in the beginning of the year. I think we should have had a, at least a chance to win that we right. got taken out or just bad luck. And um, to come in here the second race with Bobby and win that, I was I was pumped. Because, I yeah. mean, it's it's Bobby McCarty, man. Like, yeah. it just, I don't know. Since well, I've been in the sport, it's kind of like, you know, that that's one of those guys that is well-known. You yeah. know what I mean? And then we get to, I get the chance to work with him at a car store race, and then we go to back to my home track and, and get the win race. That was awesome. And also, like we talked about last week, Bobby's been in a little bit of a drought, and to get him his first win in a while, even though it's not the Cars Tour, it probably still pumped his confidence up and yours that you guys were able to go get that win. Oh, yeah, you could tell in his emotion on on the radio and, you know, in his interview and everything, he was just super pumped, man. This is uh, this is a good, good thing for Bobby working with Marcus and Dave Triplett. Um they're gonna they're gonna win races, uh, whether I'm there or not. They're gonna win races. I think they got a pretty damn good chance of going back to Dominion this weekend and winning one. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I don't think it hurt them to go up there and run this race and you know try to learn some stuff. So, I think they're gonna go back and do just as well. So maybe soon you'll get some other opportunities to work with Bobby and uh, hopefully this year you you know, can get him a cars tour win. Yeah, that'll be awesome. So let's move on to Langley, man. Connor Hall, same story down there. I mean, Shoot. just goes in, sets the pole, wins both races. I yeah. mean, still continues his dominance. Every late model race Langley Speedway has hosted this year, whether it's been a weekly race or a cars tour race, Connor Hall has won it. That is just incredible. Yeah. I mean, the dude is simply on fire. Yeah, he's killing it. Uh, there's nothing else to say to that. He's just <laughs> killing it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Going down to Hickory, they had the Jack Ingram Memorial 111 on Saturday. Tyler Matthews gets around the pole sitter, Cade Brown, and wins the nonstop feature down there. That's something we ain't seen in a while, a nonstop feature at Hickory. Yeah, normally get I a mean, few cautions here and there down I know, there. I know s- certain people weren't there, so, you know. <laughs> we don't know. Well, usually they're what wrecking. are you insinuating? <laughs> well, usually they're wrecking under caution, so it's okay. Uh, yep, he puts on a hell of a race and gets the win down there. The SRL National Series Money in the Bank 150 at Berlin Raceway was on Wednesday of last week. Eric Jones goes down there and gets a win on the anniversary of his father's passing. Uh, big win for him. Super I know he said emotional. that was a super emotional win for him, so that was really cool to see. And then uh, going down to the Cars Tour Pro Late Models at Dillon Motor Speedway on Saturday, 12-year-old Tristan McKee goes on and wins after getting around Ashton Higgins twice with no contact. Yeah, and then uh, who was it? The pole sitter 
Phillips, George Phillips. Yep. Fourteen years old. Yeah. Some young what is, guys. What is this, <laughs> dude? If I'm a 28 year old pro late mile driver, I'm retiring. <laughs> if a kid half my age and younger than half my age is kicking my ass, I think I'm done. Yeah, that was one thing. Like especially when I raced quarter midgets and I was moving up and like the seniors and stuff. And as I got older, I always hated that the younger kids would beat God. me. It would like it would just really suck. But the older I got, I just realized that. You know, you're going to have young talent come through and win races. and Yeah, they're not as smart. They haven't wrecked as many times. <laughs> right. You know, we were always that young talent once, too, when, and so um, it's just inevitable that it's going to happen. But uh, but Ashton Higgins and Tristan McKee put on a heck of a battle for the lead. Tristan ran a really clean race. Um, he, Like I said he, earlier, he got by Ashton with no contact at all the first time. Ashton put a crossover on him and gave him a little bit of a nudge to get back by him. And a couple laps later, Tristan just set him back up and drives right back on by him. And uh, Ashton tried some contact again to crossover a second time, but McKee was able to held, hold him off and go on to win that one. So heck of a job by Tristan McKee to uh, get a, get his cars to a win in the Pro Late Models. So as we wrap up with this short track segment, man, we had this interview with HC Sellers that we're going to play for you guys from Saturday. Um, we're really excited about this one. He gave us an awesome interview. HC is a super humble guy and uh, excited to play it for you guys. Yeah, this was, uh, like we said, this was one that was at the top of our list. And, uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it. So good morning, HC. Thank you uh, for taking time out of your busy morning to come talk with us this morning uh we're at dominion raceway it is uh june 10th 2023 and uh it's race day here man how are you guys feeling about this weekend good good i appreciate the invite and appreciate the opportunity to be on this i've listened to you guys some and everything's uh is really nice so i appreciate the opportunity uh today's you know the different day every day we practice we always think we're you know ending the day hopefully where we need to be but then the next day presents its own challenges so Hopefully we can get through those and get our balance right. And, uh, you know, it's 150 laps, but we do have an opportunity to pit a couple times. So, you know, we can hopefully recover from mistakes setup-wise that we normally don't have the opportunity to on Saturday night shows. So we'll see how it goes. I got you, man. Well, tell everybody about who you are, what your racing involvement is, and um, how old you are and how you got started in racing. Yeah, so... Uh, my name is H.C. Sellers, uh, 44 years old. I've been doing this for a long time. I actually started racing at South Boston in the mid-90s myself driving and did that for a little while and then realized that I enjoyed working on cars and, and tuning on them a lot more than I did driving. So I give all that up and ended up helping my brother some for some years and doing my own you know, rent, renting cars and talk, helping other people, crew chief and things. And um, it all actually started back farther than that. And my dad used to be a tire carrier for the Bush Grand National Series. Uh, and actually it was a team called J&J &J Racing. And those guys started coming to Danville and needing a place to keep their car in the mid eighties. And that was the opportunity. We loaned them our shop and my dad ended up getting involved and going and carrying tires and being a part of their pit crew and actually managing getting the guys to the track and different things and helping coordinate some of the logistics involved with that 
and they won the Bush Grand National Championship in 1988 with Tommy Ellis and I grew up and Peyton as well going to those races as kids and you know being at the racetrack all the time and and we got our feel of other sports as well but when the opportunity came when he brought home a go-kart for us to try that's pretty much what got us involved in a sport and basically that's a you know shortcut to where we are now so just always been in the family and always been in our blood so to speak so uh, it's been good times good opportunities from it and uh, very blessed and honored to be a part of the sport that's awesome yeah about what age did you guys get you know into the go-kart and stuff like that so when we started i was actually 12 years old and my brother was seven years old and that was in 1991 and at that point you know we went to our first go-kart race in an old red pickup truck that my dad had bought from an auction that come from a fire department it was a step side gmc truck and we had both go-karts in the back of it and a little black craftsman toolbox and thought we were going to race just like everybody else and when we got there you know it's like we were dropped out of 1975 at the time so um but it, it was uh very interesting we had the wrong clutch on the card and anybody that cart races understands you know you may show up to a race and be a tooth off on the rear gear but when you're two teeth off on the front clutch like you're in left field so yeah we were we were that guy and those people but you know we had a single cab pickup and it was me and my brother and my mom and dad all in that truck and you know it was fun time we didn't know how ignorant we were and or to the sport you know and and we ended up learning a lot um as the weeks went by and we realized that you know we had to do more and and operate at a little bit different level than that obviously to be competitive and um me and Peyton actually won our first go-kart races on the same night uh, at the end of that season and he was running the rookie class and I was running the junior class and that was a pretty big deal still got those trophies and um those those were the nights and the times that kind of helped us get motivated to to do what we're doing now now when did you step into the late model stuff and also when did you decide to hang it up and get out so i used to race you know like i said when when i started uh, there was a little transition period from us racing carts uh, at the time i went to race at the in the limited class at south boston and peyton was at the time getting out of go-karts so he ran a few dirt sprint races and run, actually run sprint cars on dirt for a couple seasons and uh, I ended up racing up until the 2001 season and we finished third in the points at South Boston in late model set on pole several times and you had a pretty good year um, one of my biggest highlights as a driver was my first pole in my first pole position at South Boston was actually uh, Philip Morris was on the outside and that was a big deal for me because I felt like that you know if you did anything with him or did it was able to accomplish anything and be in front of him in any capacity it was a big highlight as a driver so uh, and then you know years later I ended up I uh, was able to crew chief for Philip for a few years and, and had some success with him in that way and got to know him better as well and um, so I don't know if that answers your question but that that's kind of where I'm uh, my driving stopped in 01 and really I've never looked back I've never had the urge to do that again uh, I feel like that those years that I did drive was you know basically my uh, college education uh, I went to community college for a machining degree but I 
as far as my formal racing education, it was 100% that. And going and helping these guys in late model, you know, I used to go with uh, Rodney Sawyer's on some off weeks when we weren't racing. He would stop by my shop and pick me up, and we would, you know, I'd go torque wheels and fill it with fuel and, you know, walk around clueless, you know, in hindsight. So, but I was learning and yeah. trying to trying to figure things out. Well, that was going to be one of my next questions was, did you have any desire to get back in the car? Um, sounds like you don't. I mean, the sport has changed dramatically since 01, and uh, we're doing a whole bunch of different stuff setup-wise. I've always wondered if you ever wanted to at least just try it one time just to see what it felt like from back then to now. Yeah, I really haven't. I don't know why, but I don't feel like my calling in life was to do that. Uh, I feel very blessed to have done it because it helps me to understand when these guys get out of the car and say things, it doesn't sound Greek to me. And I understand how frustrating it is when the car is not doing what you want it to. Uh, there's a lot of things that I've learned through all that. And I feel like that my calling was 100%. I was better to to be in the capacity that I am now. And the driving was enjoyable in some ways, but back then, you know, Peyton wasn't old enough to really help me a lot. He, he helped me a lot uh, with help physically and, and getting things done and coordinated. But as far as the crew chief side of it, um, you know, I, I don't feel like that it was as much fun back then because I was having to kind of take both of those roles and it diminished the enjoyment of driving. And, you know, he was the other way around. He's he's good at a lot of things that that's, you know, makes our race team better in a lot of ways uh, but you know he lets my role be you know spring shocks and you know coordinating trying to get them faster if at all possible what were some of those things like stepping out of the car going to a crew chiefing role like what did you have to learn like you just said like spring shocks stuff like that did you already know that driving did you have a lot of experience with that i feel like it was a seamless transition for me because i was already doing it so much and i don't feel like i ever had a point in my life where I wasn't the one, you know, setting ride heights or thinking about, you know, what springs to run or daydreaming in school about, you know, like even in go-kart racing, I was daydreaming in school too much about, you know, what tire compound I was going to try at the racetrack that following week and how much to change and do. And, um, you know, it's just a lot of things there that have, in, that I have gotten better with over the years. So as you've built Sellers Racing, um, you touched on you work with a lot of different drivers over the years. You've had a lot of success. Uh, you know, talk about some of the drivers that you've worked with and also um, along with the successes, like what were some of the challenges that you've faced over the years? I think the biggest challenge is, is always the next race. You know, it's always... I never take that for granted and I've never I've always tried hard to make sure that no matter what you walk into the racetrack being as low as possible um, it's a lot easier to fall when you're already on the ground and I feel like humbleness is the best way but that's just my own personal belief and I'm never taken for granted that you know we are one of our mottos has always been you know from some of the past things with baseball which was you know, you can't win today's ball game on yesterday's home run. And I always try to keep that in mind. Like, what you've done yesterday means nothing. I have been very blessed to work around good people. And any success that I've got is 
through God's grace first and foremost and second of all is through good people and having good people to mentor me back when I was coming up there were a lot of people that pitched in and took time to help me you know understand things like you know how to be disciplined at the racetrack how to not let emotions go unchecked and and go you know getting bent out of shape over things um understanding the you know more about how to build shocks and how to you know coordinate pit crews and things like that and it's all people i try hard now to keep in mind when people don't know those things and it may seem simple to me now but i try to take the time and give that back if at all possible and you know those things are just important but a lot of the people that i've worked with in the past <clears throat> you know I, i've had opportunities over the years you know from a crew chief side of things um you know obviously my dad helped a lot with some general things you know he's very good at managing business and managing people and and those attributes you know i'd say definitely come from him and then when it comes to other parts i mean there's a lot of guys that i've had a lot of time with over years and different things and you know it, there was a guy named tc philpot that helped me back when i very first got into racing um you know ronnie milam he still helps me now and runs parts for me in my business and you know he helped barry begley back in the day and uh, ronnie helped me for my years through limited racing um you know after tc and then neil perkins has worked with us uh, barry begley has worked with us and been a an asset to everything we've done and you know it's many guys man like i, I actually had hutch strickland come to the shop and work one summer and that was a big deal for me because as a kid i always thought a lot of him um you know i worked with help stacy Pereer a few times back you know when i was first getting going and you know he offered some help and um you know i learned from him i learned from anybody i could I, I just tried to be a sponge and and learn from everybody and you know some weeks of the way we run it may not seem like that but i um you know i try hard to stay consistent and, and stay um on task with that and, and try to keep our stuff in the ball game and you know there's a lot of names i hate naming names because man even the guys we have working now you know it seems like every time there's people that bring a lot to the table that help your organization and you can't thank any one of them enough and they've, they've all been you know small or large they've all been a part of it and been very very blessed to have them um as far as drivers go you know that's man once again they, there's been guys from really all over the world that has raced for us from time to time and you know i had a kid from australia a couple times a couple years actually um we had a girl from north dakota that raced for us for two seasons uh i had a guy from puerto rico got you know all over the united states and it's just been a fun opportunity to develop a lot of that talent and to be able to to see it grow and see have the opportunity to work with people that um you know you wouldn't otherwise know and a lot of the ability that peyton's had to race in some of the other series we've got friends from california and utah and all over the country that's just been a blessing to be around we got a dog in here uh, <laughs> oh, that's exciting. As far as the driver's side of it, you know, we've, you know, I've been 
fortunate enough to work with guys like uh, my brother. I've uh, worked with, you know, Philip Morris for several years. I've crew chief for Lee Pulliam. Uh, we've had some success together. Um, you know, Matt Bolin, we won a national title together. Uh, lots of guys that have come through that I've had the opportunity, even if it's not opportunity to actually be their crew chief, but just to maybe help them with some shocks or help them with some advice from time to time. And, you know, just, just like I said, the opportunity to give back and to be around good people and to be, you know, having the opportunity to work with people, um, you know, just like uh, you. And, and, you know, there's a new generation coming that, um, you know, we're all trying to achieve the same thing and all working in the same boxes. And it's just, you know, it's a blessing to see the sport still around. And, and I hope that somehow we can all have the mentality instead of being competitors to, to look at it like we're trying to grow this sport for the next generation. Yeah. Um, that was the next thing I really wanted to touch on was you've influenced a ton of people, in, including me, um, 2018, my car owner, Paul Green, decided to do a deal with you guys to basically do um, kind of like an info deal. And one of the biggest things I got out of that was being able to have you come every now and then and crew chief me, whether it was for a practice or a race, and just get your mindset and kind of see into your head of the way you went about things and the way you did, you know, the way you went about adjusting a car to a driver's feedback, which was really exciting for me at the time because I was really young. Um, I didn't really start getting into the setup side until kind of late 2016. 2017, I went hard at it. And 2018, I got to see your perspective. And um, you've been a huge influence on my racing career. Uh, even still today, I'll call you up and bounce stuff off of you. and. Um, now you're one of my competitors. Lee Pulliam's one of your competitors. What has it been like for you knowing that you've influenced so many people and now they're competing against you? I mean, even I think you had mentioned one time uh, you did something similar with Tommy Lemons. I mean, all these guys have had success. I'm still very young. I'm trying to make a name in my sport uh, or make a name in this sport for myself. And, um, I mean, what's it been like for you to see those guys prosper? that's what it's all about for me i enjoy it a lot and you know the it's interesting because like guys sometimes you know i think associate people with being a driver just like with you uh and lee pulliam's the same way i, I lee lee was a very talented racer and i think everybody kind of associates him with that but you know lee is a excellent crew chief as well and he, he's got a mind that you know is able to think outside of the box and and come up with ideas and solutions for cars and you know he's been he's certainly a competitor of mine in some regards but at the same time i i don't really look at it like that i look at things like you know you just hope that your your day comes and then the next day you know when somebody else's day is there you need to be happy for them and and not be jealous and bitter and all that because at the end of the day um you know it takes success on some level for everybody to improve and to get better and to see these teams grow uh but but coming from the driving and then going to crew chief and thing to me it's just a natural progression and you know i you had the ability to race and be a, a front running and winning race car driver but to have the ability to be a winning crew chief too 
to me is like crossing that bridge of, of saying that, you know, you've had a, the ability to have success at both ends of the sport. And, um, you know, Lee is the same way. Some of the guys are just drivers and that's all they want to be. And they're okay with that. And there's no, no issues there at all. I mean, that's, everybody's got their talents, but I, I always, you know, as being a crew chief, I always look at the, the people that could do both. I always thought that was pretty neat to, to be able to experience the success both ways. Yeah. That's an awesome answer. Yeah. Um, you know, you've been in the game crew chief game for what over 20 years now right so did did you ever get more opportunity to go farther with it you know i I have done some stuff i crew chief for peyton in the xfinity series some and we did you know one or two truck races i crew chief for him a couple years in the k&n series we raced a full year of k&n out of our shop um those were fun times uh and i had to work hard to stay competitive because we we were you know racing against guys like gibbs and you know it's those people are they're doing it the right way whatever that right way is they're doing it the right way and i still you know have people in the upper levels that that reach out and, and support us and me and you have nothing else just to give you know some support like i i you know i you know Rodney Childers, Cliff Daniels, uh, those guys are, are friends of mine that that are very successful, and I look up to them and and just the way that they're just professionals and they know how to do it, and you know I try to model my race team in that same way, and it's tough. It's tough because you know there's always challenges. You have different people helping you. You have volunteer crew. You have. Um, you know, a wide variety of experience levels working at this level. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, I feel like you're always learning and always trying to expand what you're doing. Yeah, not only that, you have a lot of different innovation over those years of what a late model stock car was back then to now. Um, do you feel like you've adapted pretty well with that? I mean, you guys are obviously winning a lot of races. Well, that that's the one thing I think that's a constant challenge. And people think that, you know, it's like, well, we, we were good at it in, you know, 02 or, or, or 95 or 98 or whatever it may be. And the same things, you know, we're still trying to maximize grip on four tires. So at the end of the day, that, that part is a one constant. But the way you achieve it, as soon as you think you've got a hold of what's going on, NASCAR makes a rule change or the tires come out and they're different or they're a different, you know, sidewall structure or... You know, the grip level of the racetracks changes every year, or you go to a track that's fresh paved or a track that's completely worn out and has potholes in it. And you have to just constantly be able to be adapting. And it's it's so easy. I think I always remember the failures worse. You know, when you win, it's like, you know, I feel like I did my job and we were blessed that night. But like at the end of the day, I get, I get more like, the one thing I think that will always I feel like keep me in the sport or let me know. I've always wondered like when it would be time to when you wanted to do something different. And I think for me that time will be when I wake up on Sunday morning after a bad night and don't have a sick on my stomach feeling. Because right now, like as even the age I'm at now, that's the one constant is I don't mind losing. I do mind when I when I'm just not competitive. And if I'm not competitive um 
I, I think I'm borderline depressed. So a week for you in the shop, I mean, you got a lot of cars uh, from Landon Pendleton, um, obviously Peyton's car. What's a week for you in the shop look like? I feel like I'm more of a shop manager during the week. Uh, we've got some really good people right now. Um, you know, Colton, Colton Wright is a, a new kid for us. He's, he's, he's not new right now, but he's been around, you know, since 2019. And you know, he's kind of taken over the role of being my uh, setup and plate guy for the 26 car. He takes care of the maintenance. I've got uh, Bryant Frazier is keeping up Landon's car for us. And, you know, Bryant was actually the winning crew chief for the 1993 Steve Grissom car in the oh, Bush wow. series. And this guy goes back a long ways. He worked for Gibbs for 16 years and has just been around the sport his whole life. And, you know, those things are um, important for us to have some levels of experience in our shop. And then we have a lot of newcomers as well. Um, We've, and once again, I'm naming names, you know, but I'm going to forget somebody. But we've got Nathan Cruz. He's he's a, a limited racer now at South Boston and, and does a good job doing his own thing, and he helps us at the shop. You know, he's kind of my go-to for some machining and, and uh, assembling cars. And, you know, Colton and, and Brian, or Bryant, I mean, are, are actually good setup guys. Um and we have a lot of, we do a lot of work besides late model stock cars. I do a lot of road race customer work from VIR. Um, just worked on a car here Thursday. And we've got a boy named Josh Howard that's in for us right now that's an intern from Virginia Tech. He's an engineering student. And he come to us last season during the summer as an intern. He actually worked a full semester with us. and. You know, when he got there, he had no idea what was going on. I didn't want him there because at first I was like, not him personally, but I just was like, I don't have time to be, you know, dealing with a guy that knows nothing. And I'm telling you, after a month, we knew right away he was a little, uh, a special breed when it comes to getting things done and, and has a great attitude and work ethic. And, you know, he will go far in life, no matter if it's racing or, or what. And, um, a lot of kids, like I've uh, Jacob Borst is helping us some part time right now, and um, a lot of these racers and stuff. You'd think it'd be like a conflict of interest, but for me, you know, I know these guys are going places, and I'm just glad to be a part of it early in their career. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you've had some big moments. You guys have won national titles, uh, Martinsville recently. What are those moments like? Well, for me, it, it's just exciting to see people have success and and you know uh try to be as happy for the other people that do it um my main thing if i put in all the effort i have and if if we're able to be successful on a given night that's great um but if we're not i understand how those people that have put in the same effort and and they're getting the success too i try to be as happy for those guys too um a lot of times i'm too upset with my own you know failure maybe for that particular night to be um, you know, it may take me a little while to soak it in, but I like to see other people have success as well. Um, been very blessed. We've got four national titles, um, two of those with Peyton, one with Philip Morris, and one with Matt Bowling. Um, we've won Martinsville four times now with out of our shop, uh, two with Philip in 2010 and 12, and then um, with Landon, the 
previous season in 21 and then with Peyton being able to win it last year that was the one race I was really hoping we could achieve with Peyton at some point it's just it's kind of like turned into that Daytona 500 with Earnhardt type deal and you know just to have that checked off and and mostly for my dad and Peyton will tell you that you know my dad's the biggest racer in our family I feel like and you know he's he's the only reason we don't race 800 times a year so um I mean, he, we are the only reason. If it was up to him, we would race 800 times a year. So um, he's he's just he's he's got it bad. So um, you know, Peyton and I both have new families, and and you know, we're working to um, do a lot during the week, you know, as well as race, and and it's just uh, you know, it's a challenge with all that. But um, you know, back to your question, I, I just feel like we're always. Um, always looking to get more and, and looking to um, be thankful for the things we have done for sure but I, I am I am very blessed to be around the good people that have helped put us in those places do you have any moments in racing that might have slipped away from you that you really want back and which ones were those um it used to mean a different thing to me in the past I think with some of those things like that would get away and, and I could have probably answered that question better when I was younger. Uh, now, I kind of look at the opportunity just like tonight, like we're all here and able to go race tonight. And, you know, the first thing I did this morning was pray for safety, not for not for just my driver, but for every driver in the field. I know how, you know, when we all walk away, if we're all blessed enough to walk away tonight and drivers not be hurt or you know, having the opportunity to just race, then we're all doing what we enjoy. Um, we could all be somewhere, you know, digging a ditch and, and being, you know, forced to do something we didn't want to. And generations before us have done that. Um, you know, I've got eight men on my granddad's generation, uh, four on each side, my mom and my dad's side, that all were involved in World War II in some capacity. And that's just two generations ago. And as easy as it is for us to take for granted what we're doing here tonight, um, you know, it could it could be the other way around. And they've a lot of people have put a lot into us having this opportunity. And and really, I don't look at it. I think a a missed opportunity would maybe be, you know, to not be here tonight. So in my mind, once we're here, we fulfilled that. And that's my answer at 44. You know, at 24, I'd tell you that. You know, I wish I'd have won that race last week and all that. And, you know, we had two near near wins last weekend. And, you know, it it stings to not win when you have a car that could be capable. But, you know, it's some value in being in contention and it's some value in uh, just having the opportunity to go out and compete. Where do you feel like late model stock car racing is right now? And do you feel like it's going in a good or bad direction? And... Uh, where do you see the sport in the next couple of years? So oddly enough, I think since 2020, which I thought would have a pivotal effect on this racing deal altogether, it seems like to me the sport has grown. And I don't know if people are just more excited about the opportunity to go out and race where, you know, you realize right there it could be taken away. And I think that was where I was. You know, I was very fortunate. Um, we did a lot of testing that summer with the Pimbledons and Landon. He, he's been a a great young driver for us his dad has been extremely good to me and and just you know we're good friends as well and they they helped me get through that point but I think from a 
a mental standpoint, you know, I, I was kind of wondering about the sport at that point. Like, does it go downhill from here? Do people just give up on it and say, you know, we're not going to race. We're not going to continue to do that anymore because um, there's other things in life to do, and this could be removed very easily. And I think we've seen a growth in this sport. I think the Cars Tour is a benefit overall. It's hurting the local tracks at the moment, but I think that will all even out and materialize soon, and it will either outgrow the Saturday night racers or it, it will, you know, just be a different option for you to have, which is where it is right now. Um, overall, I think the guys' involvement with this sport, with, you know, to Justin Marks and Kevin Harvick and, and Jeff Burton and, and especially Earnhardt Jr., being involved, and in, in, I see nothing but positives with that. And I think if you're going to see a lot of growth in the late model stock side, I've seen this over the years. Supers will go way popular and then – you know, late model stocks will get more popular and then it kind of goes up and down. But I think Supers will always have their place. They're a very universal car. They race all over the country with virtually the same rules, which is a good thing. The late model stock is more regional, but there's a lot of quality drivers that came from this area, this level of racing. And in my mind, I think right now I would consider the state of this sport healthy, but needing to grow. And at one time, and I'd say maybe 10 years ago, I was extremely concerned about it. Um, for anybody that I could influence, I try to work hard to make sure that we have to take measures in this sport right now to keep the cost down, whatever it takes. Just because you have the money, or if you're associated with people that have the money to participate at a, at a high level, the guys that we're missing right now are true Saturday night racers that show up with their truck that they drive in the week, pulling their trailer, uh, a modest trailer and a modest uh, toolbox, and they enjoy going and racing. And they bring their wife, or they bring their kids, or they bring their their parents and and friends of theirs that are on their pit crew, and go out and have a good time. And and they're not, you know, that's their going out and hitting nine holes in the afternoon uh, hobby, and the hobby racer in my mind is, is is what we can't afford to lose right now the people that have money they're going to want they're going to participate in the sport as long as they want to um the the other the hobby racers do it as long as they can afford to and as long as it's affordable some of the racetracks we race have taken very good measures on helping with that um the nascar rules typically are designed in that way some of them, I think, create more expense. Some of them don't. Some of them are good for the sport. But at the end of the day, that's what we have to do to keep the sport sustainable is not being narrow-minded enough to say, well, you know what, my my customer or or my family or whatever that is can afford to do this at this level. Well, if it keeps growing, that's not going to be the case. It may outgrow them. And then you're on even more of an island because these guys that are, you know, it becomes an elitist sport. And Saturday night racing has never been an elitist sport, nor was it intended to be. We've got to keep it at that level. And, you know, it seems like you regress sometimes because you make rules that are, that are dumbing down things. But in the end, technology and everything that we have is coming. It's coming no matter how you look at it. 
but we've got to find a way to keep it affordable and keep it manageable. Yeah, the the technology always seems to come from the top down. I mean, it, it's it's inevitable. It's just gonna it's just gonna fall down to the late model stock level. I noticed, you know, there were things that the Cup guys were doing, and you see it get turned into Xfinity cars, K and N cars, and eventually it makes its way down to us. And um, sometimes it it does make the sport a little bit more expensive. And um, I mean, sometimes it's for the better too. So. Um, I think it just happens that way. You talked about cars tour racing. Um, that's getting huge, like you said. Is that something you guys have ever thought about doing? It is. A lot. I get that question a lot, especially with Peyton. Uh, the biggest thing that I have, the, and it goes back to the, to the financial side of it, really, uh, we're very, very fortunate to have some sponsorship with him that is basically local. Clarence's Steakhouse uh, is from Martinsville. They're 40 minutes away from us. You know, we have Danville Toyota right there in our backyard, basically, that helps us. They enjoy coming to South Boston and watching the races, and they're able to go home every every Saturday night and be at home, you know, at a reasonable time. And that is what keeps us coming back to the local side of things more and more. Um, it's an added bonus sometimes when you have car count at other racetracks and we can travel on the off weekends and help supplement a potential high finish in a national point scenario uh, it does pay a little bit to help offset some of those costs but really i enjoy the competition level and the racer in me loves the travel aspect of that but it is a lot more expense and we get less financial help to be able to do that and that is the ultimate answer for us in, in that regard not going and participating weekly uh, in that cars tour i think it's a great deal um I do think financially, if you committed to that, you're about better off to just stay in that level and that be your only deal. Like racing on the off weeks, you know, the rules are slightly different now. I don't really like that, but you can go back and forth. You just have to know what you're doing and make sure you keep your car legal for both scenarios. And, um, you know, I would love to do that. And I think for Peyton, it's a bit different, you know, well, he's competed on the West Series full-time. He's competed in the K&N East Series full-time. And some of the lure of traveling all over the place and racing like that, you know, Peyton's running the business now, and he's got a family. And, you know, those times and those opportunities, like he's gotten his feel of that. He's raced all over the place. He's ran Daytona, Talladega, and Indianapolis. He's been to, you know, all over the West. He's ran Phoenix and, you know, tracks like Roseburg, Oregon, and uh, Evergreen, Washington, you know, he, it's, it's places that, you know, he's had some ability to go to and compete at that I think some of that lure of, of travel, you know, for a young guy is the Cars Tour is a great opportunity for that. And I think for him is, is a little more of like, you know, I got the opportunity to race and I can afford it and I have sponsors that are enjoying being a part of what we're doing. And, you know, that, that is, in a nutshell, I think probably some of the answers on why we don't do that. And I'm not saying with the right opportunity, we wouldn't go and do it and compete next year and do it. But it's, um, you know, it's not something that's high on our radar. Um, and, and naturally, uh, the competition level is extremely high in that series. And I respect everybody 
that's in it and competing at a high level a lot of those guys are very good at what they do and they show that when they come and race with us and, and i'd like to think that we you know could hold our own racing against them as well yep well hc we're kind of getting to the end here but i do want to ask you one more question um what uh obviously with accomplishing a lot in your racing career what are some things that you still want to accomplish and um what does retirement look like for you i mean obviously you said earlier that you know there, if there's a day you wake up and you don't care about the next race you'll probably feel like you want to retire i mean do you feel like that's five years down the road 10 years down the road 20 years down the road i mean you you mentioned you have a family peyton has a family now and you're trying to to balance all that and um what has that balance been like too well i don't know if i've got a set time for that i mean uh, like i said we're all blessed to do it here tonight and i hope that we can do it next week and keep going but you know at the end of the day um i've got a a wife that means a lot to me i've got kids that mean a lot to me and i need to dedicate time to them and you know the biggest thing that if there's any drain on this sport it's probably the stress of making sure like i do feel like it falls on my shoulders when we're uh, not competitive or if we are competitive to stay competitive you know it's always a stress there that, that you know comes along with what you're doing and you know to whom much is given much is required and i always try to keep that in mind and you know keep working hard i don't want to end up um i think when when i don't enjoy some of the aspects that i do right now you know i do pray for guidance moving forward that i'll know when it's time and when i not necessarily lose that competitive drive but maybe want to do it in a different way and um you know who knows that's uh if I can get you to come to work for me sometime, maybe I can get, get off get off of this kick and uh, lay, lay back a little bit more. Yeah, you, you keep trying to get me over there. So uh, I'm uh, I'm extremely thankful for your friendship over the years and uh, what you've done for my racing career. Uh, you've helped me a ton, and I wouldn't be where I am today without you. You're you're definitely a huge influence even on my team and my business, and uh, I'm forever grateful that I had the opportunity to meet you and and that we're friends i look forward to the future i enjoy competing against you every week you set the bar man every week i come it's what can we do to beat the 26 car i really love the competitiveness that you guys bring to the racetrack and i'm super grateful that i am where i am today and again that i can attribute some of that to you well, I really appreciate that. It means a lot to me to hear that. And, you know, at the end of the day, the friends we make and the opportunities and the things we can leave behind and help other people are, are what it's all about. The the trophies, you know, they're going to fade away and, and you know, it's not going to be there. That That's, that's going to be the, you know, you always think that the things you win and the opportunities that you have to win and, and all will stick with you. But really the relationships are the only thing that does stick with you and a few pictures hanging on the wall, hopefully. And uh, I do appreciate that. I appreciate every person that's, that's put forth the same thing to me and took the time to show me things and help me along the way. And, you know, like I said, I've mentioned a few names on here. I hate doing that because there's way too many people to ever, you know, really thank and, and have that um, gratitude towards. And, and I really appreciate every one of them. And, 
you know all the drivers the the teammates the owners the the everybody that's that's been on board and helped us to be successful and to help me be able to run um you know a little small business in danville virginia that's able to allow me to work on race cars i mean ultimately that's what it's where it's at and uh, it's a lot of good people involved and just very thankful and you know thank the lord for that every day and just hope that you know for now we can keep that competitive desire and, and keep being relevant yep absolutely you got anything else i just want to say you're well respected since i came into the sport um i was a dirt racer and i came in with him what seven years ago eight years ago and you were always a guy that i looked at that you know this is a team too that was that that's who we need to be like you know and it, to this day i've worked with 100 people now but you're still one of those guys that is mutually well respected in that pit area well i appreciate that a lot and i appreciate you guys thinking enough of me to put me on this podcast and i tell you uh, one thing that I've always thought was really cool is is doing something different. You know, the drivers typically, that's all people talk to, and it's like they're the face of the team. But the background stuff, man, behind every racer, every driver out there, there's somebody that is smart and it's working on those cars. They don't stay up front. And even at the cup level, you know, I always felt like that, you know, the drivers are the superstars, and they do a phenomenal job with what they accomplish. And, and being able to put their cars in places and you know there's an art to that and a talent to that that definitely supersedes the average person you know most average people just can't do that stuff and and i do appreciate that but there's there's a huge talent behind the scenes and it's not just with crew chiefs they 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 may be the lifeblood or the backbone behind the setups and all that but man there's a lot of guys that show up on these races especially the Saturday night deal it's a it's a pretty thankless job and I mean they show up and you know they've got Saturdays they could go and you know chill out and do whatever they wanted to do and they're here on this hot asphalt and jacking cars up and putting fuel in them and you know just they love it and and it's it's a lot of passion inside of these pit walls and I appreciate y'all taking the time to you know give some credit to that and and to hear some of the background to that because I think it's a lot of people that want to hear that at this level of racing maybe more so than you know the typical stuff that you hear you know with media and, and things that are um going on on the the sunday races yeah well i'm looking forward to bringing everybody your interview and your story and uh again i can't thank you enough for taking time this morning to come do this and uh best of luck to you today and uh to the best man win tonight yeah, absolutely absolutely <laughs> good luck to you guys and yep. good luck to everybody here you know uh, no matter what happens uh like i said we've all got a big opportunity to go out and compete tonight and do the best we can and you know hopefully hopefully all the cars end up in one piece but you know there's no promises for anything yep absolutely all right hc sellers yep. clear with contact thank you guys thank you well man what an awesome interview that was um I had a lot of fun talking to him and recording that and I was glad to have you there for this one. So what do you think of uh HD story? Yeah, I was really glad to be at this one too. I I have so much respect for him. Um since since I've since I've heard of his name and watched them do what they do, I, I've had so much respect for that entire team. Uh but to hear everything like I didn't know, you know, at such a 
short amount of time of him driving t- to him like figuring out that that's not where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be crew chiefing. Yeah. Like that was cool to see because that's usually when that's some guys are usually forced into that. You know what I mean? Like he t- he mentioned Rodney Childers. Like Rodney Childers was kind of forced into that where like he got to a certain age where it was like this isn't working. I'm going to have to do something else, a plan B. Where I feel like it for HC, you know, his not knowing it, but like eventually seeing, hey, that's my plan A, actually. Like, this is where I actually belong, you know. Yeah. That was really cool to me. Yeah, man, absolutely. I, I have a lot of respect for the guy. Uh, like I said in the interview, I was really excited to get to work with him in 2018 and kind of see into his brain about how things work, about how things work. And the guy really just takes the input from a driver and you can just start watching the wheels turn and he's even told it to me before that he tries to imagine the car in his head as like he's looking at it on a simulator and watching the suspension components work as it goes through the corner like he's a sharp individual they bring fast race cars to the track every week and you know he is one of the biggest competitors in this sport um you know, there's a lot of guys behind the scene. Everybody gets, everybody gives Peyton almost all the credit for, you know, his success. And, you know, HC is one of the main driving factors behind it. And I, I love the fact that we can bring some light to someone like him who is uh, a very smart individual and puts in a lot of work to put Peyton in all the sellers racing cars up front each and every week. Yeah, the other thing, when you have, you know, a guy with success like HC's head, and then to mix in the amount of humbleness that comes with HC, I've I've known that, but to sit down and have a conversation with him, just, it blew me away. He's super humble, just a great, just a great guy, you know what I mean? And that was, uh, it's weird, because, like, you know it from being around him, but when you actually, like I said, sit down and talk to him, it kind of brings so much light on how much of a family-driven type of team they are mm-hmm. you know what i mean and that that's just super impressive for for them to to have that kind of mindset every week of like hey every day's a new day yeah you know last week doesn't really matter anymore let's just go work on today whether it's practice day race day qualifying i mean that's that's impressive there's a lot there's a lot that a lot of people can listen to that interview and probably um put you know incorporate into their race team yeah and I'll tell you one of the biggest things that stood out to me was when I asked him about any races that he wish he had back. And he was just like, nope, you know, maybe at 24 or 26, you know, I would have said, yeah, I want that race back. I, you know, this one got away from me or whatever. And now he looks at it like it's an it opportunity. Is, yep. It is what it is. It's an yeah. opportunity to learn and move on and, you know, just keep still pushing get, forward. Still get to race every day. Absolutely. That's uh that's one of the things that stuck with me a lot, you know, because I still, you know, I am at that 26-year-old mark, and yeah. I still go back on races like, I think one of the biggest ones that ever got away from me was the Sobo 200 when we were leading and blew a tire with 32 to go, and I think about that race all the time and how much I want that one back, and I don't, you know, as I'm going to get older and as i listen to that i i hope that i become more humble like he is so yeah definitely you know if you're at this point in the podcast hopefully you already listened to it but if you if you skipped it go back and listen to it because it's awesome 
Absolutely. It was uh, a lot of fun. So enjoy doing the guest segment like that. Hopefully we get to do more down the road. And uh, I am, like I said earlier, I'm super glad you and I were able to do this interview together. Um, I feel like we asked some pretty good questions and uh, I hope everybody enjoys it as much as we did recording it. So, well, moving on, man, we got our dirt segment this week. It's uh, Indiana Midget Week. It's a big week out there. Yeah, this was the close to it. Um, started last week, but Monday they went back to they went to not back to this first time Circle City Raceway, and Buddy Kofoid wins. Um, Logan Seavey looked like he was going to win it, but he breaks with about three to go. Uh, so Buddy Kofoid puts Keith Coons Motorsports in victory lane. They had the Tuesday night off. Wednesday night went to Gas City I-69 Speedway. Uh, Logan Seavey gets revenge, man. He he dominates really the whole thing. A late race caution comes out and he has to fend off Emerson Axum, a couple sliders here and there, but he ends up winning that race. They go Lincoln Park Speedway on Thursday, and Buddy Kofoid once again comes up through the field to win that one. I think that was he was only going to run a certain amount of races, um, so he made made it well worth it getting a couple wins that week. Uh, they went to Bloomington Speedway Friday. Do you freaking remember last week when I told you Gavin Miller lost that race at Millbridge? when he bounced off the cushion and did it twice. And the kids from Pennsylvania, young kid, Keith Coons Motorsports, can't break through. Finally gets it done Friday night. He gets around Jade Avedisian on a restart and <laughs> he bounces off the cushion one time. And I'm like, not again, dude, come on. Like you got to get this. Yeah. And he really, he has to hold off Justin Grant, and Logan CV too. They're breathing down his neck and he bounces off the cushion. I'm like this, this, he's going to do it again. He bounces it off the cushion. I'm like, oh, no, he's going to do it again. But he ends up getting the win finally for that kid. He, he It's well-deserved. Um, so that was Friday night. Saturday night, they go to Lawrenceburg Speedway. Jake Andriotti and Ryan Timms have a great battle for the lead. Andriotti falls off a little bit. Logan Seavey comes up. He starts racing Ryan Timms for the lead. Ryan Timms had to work for it, but he gets the win uh, Saturday night. Sunday night, they're supposed to run Kokomo for the final night. It gets canceled due to rain. We had a ton of rain this past weekend for these dirt tracks. And so Logan Seavey, who had an amazing week, uh, really contending for wins every night, he ends up being your 2023 Indiana Midget Week champion for the second time in his career. He did it again back in 2019. So that wraps up Indiana Midget Week uh, in a week or two. We have, is it a week? Yeah, I believe it's a week or two. We have Illinois Midget Week. Gotcha. And I'm pretty sure old Slider Snodder's going out there. Oh, baby. So. What's he going to run? He's going to run a midget for Midget Week. I'm just kidding. Wow. He's going to run. Uh, I believe he's going to run for Mount Stout again. Gotcha. With Chase McDermott. So, awesome. Um, Looking forward to that one. Yeah, not sure about that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the plan. So hopefully he can get that opportunity to go out there. That'll be cool to see. Uh, but we did have one of the biggest late model races in the country this week. And uh, the Dirt Late Model Dream at Eldora. They had, you know, prelims Thursday and Friday and the big show Saturday. Tim McCready and Ricky Thornton Jr. picked up prelim night wins on Thursday. Mike Marler and Hudson O'Neill picked up Friday night feature wins. Eh, you know. And then Saturday, more of the same with Dirt Late Model Racing. Superman just comes in and says, I think I'm going to take this $129,000 home with me. That's right. The million-dollar man. Yeah, so he goes on. Uh, Chris Madden was coming. Chris Madden, I thought, looked pretty pretty decent that whole race. And he, he waited till the end to make a to make a charge, but Jonathan Dav Davenport was able to hold him off. Then we had last Tuesday the High Limit Sprint Car Series at Eagle Raceway. 
Kyle Larson ends up winning his third win in a row with that series. Um, another Kyle Larson-Rico Abreu battle. Um, Brett Marks was in the lead, but he flipped. So, Damn it, man. Yeah, I hate when that happens. <laughs> Usually when I flip, I'm in the back. So, you know, I've never flipped from the lead. Or did you ever lead a race? Oh, for low a good blow, low blow. for a good 30 40 feet <laughs> in a heat race Concy. <laughs> <laughs> no, low blow I don't low remember blow. I tried to forget those years <laughs> actually they were knocked out of me but that's okay yeah. um so yeah then we had Ohio Sprint Speed Week uh this is the beginning of it we had Attica Raceway Park on Friday uh Zeb Wise took the lead from Tyler Courtney but Tyler Courtney takes it back then it looks like Tyler Courtney just fended him off perfectly. Well, here comes Zeb Wise. Off of four on the final lap. I know you watched it because I freaking told you to. Yep. Zeb Wise looked like he was trying to beat the top side down the entire yeah. race. And then every now and then, I think he was kind of switching up his corners. It looked like he'd run the bottom in one and two and then high in three and four. And a lot of the times, him and Tyler Courtney would trade lines. It looked like, you know, Courtney would run the top in one and two and the bottom in three yeah. and four. So it made for an awesome race, and um, it was awesome to see Zeb Wise rail the top on that last corner and just pull the win off at the last at the last second. Yeah. So usually, what happens when that? So you know what we just described. Zeb Wise took the lead from Tyler Courtney, and then Tyler takes it back. That gives. Remember a couple weeks ago, I said like the leader is kind of screwed because he really doesn't know what everybody else is running, so he has to run what he thinks is the fastest lap. You know what I mean? Fastest lane. Um, so when Zeb takes the lead, now Tyler sees what happens. He switches it up. By that time, usually it's way too late. You've already messed up. You're done, AA Ron. Well, Tyler somehow gets it back. So now I'm thinking, now, now you're really thinking, okay, Tyler Courtney's done won this thing because then he drops back to the bottom. Yep. And I couldn't believe it. I don't think, I, I think he went up there and realized his car wasn't that great there. So he was just trying to run whatever. That just goes Wherever to prove his car was best. Yeah, so that goes to prove Zeb Wise just made the top work better than anybody. Well, and he said in his interview that he had screwed up quite a few times, and it looked like once they got into lap traffic, he just really made it work. Yeah. Um, then they went to Fremont Speedway Saturday. Last year, Danny Dietrich led most of this race and lost it on the last corner. Uh, complete heartbreak for him. Well, he gets revenge this year. He... Started, I think, sixth. He, he works his way to second. And, dude, last lap pass. Last, it's not, I can't even say it's the last corner. He takes the top. Cap Henry takes the bottom. He comes out of four and passes him down the straightaway. You saw this one. How cool was that? Oh, it was super cool. I mean, you said it before the show. A late model would never <laughs> get a run like that off the top side to – take a win like that on you know coming yeah. down the front straight away so it's one thing to pass somebody from the on the top from the top but he was on the top and then just kind of shot down off the bottom and, and passed him it was wild yeah it looked like cap did everything he could to try to defend getting in the three and looked like he just shut the door on danny dietrich uh and then danny had to kind of take a different line getting then he in just the three and it looked like it dude, was over. i love i love that's why i love sprint car racing you know that he shuts the door danny has every indication he's going to run the bottom and then all of a sudden he goes okay well i got to drag race to the top so he just <laughs> runs to the top to get the moisture and then drives back that's yeah god that sprint car race and that was a hell it. of a finish two yeah. two great finishes to start ohio sprint week yeah um so wayne county got rained out sunday 
They were supposed to be back at Wayne County last night. I won't get into it. Well, I will. They they ran a race. I'm not. I'll I'll tell you who won next week. But they didn't want to run it. It was real wet. They were afraid it was gonna pull up. So what they did was gave everybody show up points. Still paid out money, whatever. But show up points. So yeah, we have a couple more nights of uh, Ohio Sprint Speed Week. Hopefully, we get you know some more of those races because they're freaking awesome to watch. Um. But then we have the World of Outlaw Sprint Cars this weekend. They ran Knoxville Friday and Saturday. Brian Brown, Knoxville native. Well, I don't know if he's a Knoxville native, but he runs Knoxville all the time. Previous track champion. Uh, he wins the first night after getting by another previous track champion, Austin McCarl. Uh, completely dominated that race. Saturday night, dude, we had such a scary wreck with Carson Macedo. Um, that car went straight into the fence. And barrel end over ended. Um, he got out under his own power, but he, went, he did go to the hospital. He... Did you know? Did some tests overnight and everything. He walked out of the hospital the next morning. Thank God. Um, a scary wreck, man. He, that car was torn up and then it caught on fire. Brad Sweet and a couple others helped him out. Knoxville is a scary place because it is super fast. And when you, you know, we've seen a lot of people get injured there. Um, it's not a good. It's not a good place to wreck at. So thank God Carson Macedo is okay. I think he's. I think he's ready to get back in. Honestly, I think uh, his his. Social media posts have said, you know, let's go. Let's go get some more. Yeah. So um, not to overshadow that, but David Grab winds up controlling that entire race and gets the win there. But that's about it, man. That's all I got for dirt. Like I said, this week we got the rest of Ohio Sprint Speed Week. Um, we're getting in the, to where we're going to start having some big money races in the Outlaws, so that'll be kind of fun. That's awesome, man. So getting into our NASCAR touring segment, we had the NASCAR Whale and Modified Tour at Seekonk Speedway on Saturday. Matt Hirschman dominates and laps all the way up to fifth place. Super yeah. impressive. Yeah, that he's, I believe that's where he got the name Money Matt. So he he uh he proved it that day. He freaking beat their asses. So. Had a hell of a car. Oh boy. So NASCAR Arkham Menards West was at Sonoma this past week on Friday. Ryan Priest goes in and dominates that entire race. The NASCAR Xfinity Series was also at Sonoma on Saturday. First time at Sonoma Raceway for this series, and Eric Almirola holds off Kyle Larson to win for RSS Racing. Yeah, what a what a great, like, seeing his kid come over and give him a pat on the helmet and everything. That was cool to see. Good for Eric Almirola. Yeah, it's been a while since we've seen him get to victory lane. So, yeah. good to see him and get And to do back. it for RSS is pretty cool. Absolutely. The NASCAR Cup Series was at Sonoma on Sunday, and Martin Truex Jr., Pretty much dominated from the midpoint in stage two and goes on to win the race. Yep. He um he's always been good at Sonoma, man. I, I don't know why, but that's one of his that's one of his, you know, fortes or whatever you want to call it. He goes in there and just can can race that place, whether they have the old configuration or the new one. Yep. I know he touched on that that their cars basically sucked last year. They yeah. had terrible cars and this year they turned it around and he ends up picking up his fourth ever win at Sonoma. Uh, he is pretty high on the list of people who have had multiple wins at Sonoma. I think he's up there with Jeff Gordon now. So that's an impressive stat for him. He must be enjoying the wine. That's right. To win there four times. You got to drink a lot of that. So Kyle Busch has also turned it up. You know, again, he comes away with a podium finish. He finishes second at Sonoma. Uh, he said in his interview he didn't want to go on this break that they're that they got this past week because he feels like they're they got a lot of traction um 
it's another guy, man. I think you're going to see him at least in the final eight this year, if not in the final four. Yeah, he's – it's been kind of – it's weird to say for Kyle Busch, but a Cinderella story, you know. It, it. I don't want to say it revived his career, but, like, he was – he struggled last year. So coming to RCR to already have three wins on the year, right? Three? Yeah. I mean, and then to just do what they've been doing. They've been in contention every week. So good for him. Uh, excited to see what the second half of the year brings. Yeah, for sure. Um, just some other notable races we got going on. We have the summer shootout at uh, Charlotte getting kicked up. We have South Boston racing on Saturday night. They're going to run their weekly show again. Um, Copeland Motorsports guys are out of VIR this week. Uh, I'm not able to go because you and I and all the groomsmen are going on our bachelor party yeah. for this weekend. We're going to the Outer Banks, so really looking forward to that. And uh, the Cup Series and everything else is off. Yeah. We're so. going to have nothing to talk about. No, we'll definitely have something to talk about. <laughs> we'll have some stories to tell, maybe not tell. <laughs> yeah. We also have the Cars Tour race at Dominion this weekend. So if you guys aren't doing anything, go out and support that race. Uh, support Dominion Raceway and the Cars Tour. It's going to be a good race there. Connor Hall ended up winning that race last year. And... Uh, Bobby McCarty's coming for some revenge. That he is. Uh, we also have a good, you know, um, Mini Tyrell has his Mini's mission, Burn Robert, to help another. It's going to be this weekend. What they're going to do is uh, the 12, the Touring 12 in the Cars Tour, they're going to each a, kind of adopt a family at Dominion this week, all weekend. These families are from the Walter Reed Hospital. Uh, it's going to give them kind of like an ultimate race weekend. Each family being with one of the Touring 12 drivers. The Touring 12 drivers are going to take them around and introduce them to the team. And just, uh, they're going to have like a dinner one night. Then they're going to have a chapel service. They're going to have a ton of stuff for these families to be able to come out. You know, Minnie said, you know, he announced it at Langley. And, you know, he said, you know, these kids or these families, some of them don't even get to feel the sun on their face some days. So to be able to come out and be at a racetrack and be kind of adopted by a team and be able to, experience what the team experiences is going to be pretty cool so if you guys can get out kind of support that um you know there's open donations for that they want to be able to raise enough money to give back to these teams not just pay for the weekend itself but to give back you know in more capacity so uh it's a really cool thing Minnie tyrell and his family's doing so try to get out there and support that if you can yeah that's awesome Minnie has always done a really good job with working with charities and helping raise money for a good cause. Uh, I remember all the way back to the arena car days when we first met the Tyrells, they, he was always doing something for any, you know, a particular charity and um, working with the Jeff Gordon Foundation. He does a great job, simply. And uh, that that's a cool experience that those families will get to have this weekend. And I hope it turns out really well for them. And I hope they raise a lot of money. Yeah, I, I'm hoping one of the Touring 12 ends up in Victory Lane. Yeah, so we get to cool. see, you know, a family in victory. That would be awesome. Um, yeah, so that's what we got to look forward to. Are we going to watch that race? We can watch that race, right? We're going to watch that race. Yeah, we got a lot of racers going to this bachelor party, so we got to be able to watch it. Yeah, David Markham's coming along, Mason Bailey, Mike Waddell, uh, my other buddies from home, Alex Rowe and Bailey Colburn. So looking forward to it. It's going to be an awesome week. We're going to go fishing on Friday. It's going to be early morning. Shoot. Hopefully we bring back some fish. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited about it. 
Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah, We'll be able to talk about it with you guys next week. Yep, that's for sure. All right, guys. Well, thank you again for tuning in. Please share and follow our podcast and send it to all your friends. Uh, share this episode around. This is going to be a good one for everybody to listen to with HC sellers. Yeah, we're um, not in the business of making promises, but I told HC before I left the other day this was going to be a big one. So <laughs> I'm going to need you all to listen twice on different accounts if yeah. you can. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be an awesome episode. Uh, I hope it gets a lot of listens and plays. I'm sure everybody will enjoy hearing it. So please be sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms and follow us on any of the major podcast platforms you may be listening on. So thanks again, everybody, and uh, have an awesome week. Yeah, see you guys. Thanks for listening to the Clear With Contact podcast. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Clear With Contact. Feel free to share and tell your friends. Until next time.